You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking of the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas, this is the Bellator Christi Podcast, and this is your host, uh, yours truly, Brian Chilton. I wanted to uh, record a brief podcast uh, for you today to uh, kind of keep you up to date on what's going on. I was going to actually take the month of July off from podcasting, uh, but there's been a couple of things um, I feel like I need to discuss and uh, a couple of things coming up, so it may be more likely that uh, August may be the month I take off from podcasting. Uh, so uh, we've, we've got a special guest coming up with us next week. Melissa Palou uh, is going to be with us at uh, some point in time next week, so be listening f- to... Uh, uh, for her podcast when she comes and joins us. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, with her coming up next week, about uh, times we've been hurt in the church and how we continue to keep our faith uh, even despite uh, when Christians may disappoint us. And uh, I, for one, have been an individual who's been disappointed uh, many times in church and many times by other fellow believers. And so we're going to talk about that coming up next week. So like I said, uh, it may not be where uh, I take off the month of July as previously planned, but it may be more likely the month of August. One of the things I wanted to do uh, on this this week, I wanted to mention a couple of things, and uh, this is probably going to be a brief uh, podcast, but I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because most times when I say it's going to be brief, it turns out being uh, over 30 minutes, <laughs> so that's obviously subject to change according to uh, the way the podcast goes. But I want to let you know about some exciting news, uh, and that is, first and foremost, that I have signed my first book contract uh, through Stock Publishers. It's actually through their imprint company, Resource Publications, and there's a reason why um, I went with Resource Publications um, instead of the regular Stock label, mainly because the book that... Um, I am completing is going to be somewhere over 200 pages in length, and so. But don't uh, don't take fear in that. Uh, don't let that scare you, uh, because this book is a manual uh, written for the the lay person in mind, and it's called the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. And what this book is going to do is going to lay out the fundamentals of of uh, Christian apologetics. From, from every uh, avenue. We're going to look at uh, aspects concerning truth. How do we know truth exists? How do we know that truth is knowable? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about in this book um, the evidence for God uh, and some different issues pertaining to belief in God. Uh, we're going to talk about different uh, cosmolo- well, different arguments, cosmological arguments. We're going to go into the ontological arguments for God's existence, the teleological arguments for God's existence, and uh, even some, some arguments you may not have heard as much uh, concerning like the aesthetic argument for God's existence. Uh, we're talking about, uh, talking about that, talking about uh, some other issues uh, pertaining to uh, the arguments of God's existence, like the information argument, that doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, attention. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the information argument and the power found in that. We're also going to talk about the moral argument in this book. We'll talk about the moral argument. We're also going to talk about theodicy. 
and, um, and and looking at the issues with the problem of evil. And then we're going to take a look also at the historicity of Jesus' resurrection and the reliability of the New Testament. Uh, we'll take a look at several different avenues, several different aspects pertaining to the historicity of, of, uh, of, of Jesus, the reliability of the manuscripts, uh, and much, much more. So uh, we're going to have also some appendices attached to this book that I think is going to be very helpful. And so again, this uh, I'll be submitting the information to the publishers uh, sometime this September, and um, at least the final draft of the of the book uh, to them in September. And then from there, depending on how long the process goes, it may be late. Uh, this year or maybe early next year before the book is published. But um, I'm looking forward to this, and I think this is going to be a good venture. I, I appreciate uh, Whiff and Stop Publishers uh, for taking me up on this project and looking forward to working with them. I think this is going to be a, not only a, a benefit to uh, the world of apologists, uh, apologetics, but I think it's going to be a benefit for those who, especially those who may not have advanced training in apologetics, but they want to know, and maybe they don't, they don't have the time to go to seminary, maybe they don't have time to, to devote themselves to uh, ex- extended period of, of research, but they want to know the fundamentals of Christian apologetics. That This book is for you, and it may even be for the seasoned apologist. Uh, that, that there may be some areas in your, in, uh, your training or in your, in your studies that you may want to beef up um, and so hopefully this book will be a benefit for you. Maybe it'll be a good resource for you, if nothing else. So I think that this, uh, I'm, I'm thinking this book will be a good resource for the church in general. And I'm looking forward to getting this published. I'm really looking forward to getting this published and getting this out in the hands of people so that, um, so that it can, again, that it can be a benefit to the church as a whole. So I wanted to mention that uh, first and foremost. And secondly, I also want to mention on this podcast that uh, he's passed. uh, It's been 19 days since he's passed, but I wanted to mention the passing of one uh, Norman Geisler. Uh, Norman Geisler is, uh, is, when you think of Christian apologetics, one of the guys you think of is is Norman Geisler. Uh, He has written voluminously, on the issues of apologetics. I never had a chance to really meet him. I met him in person, but I never had a chance to really get to know him. I met, I, I met him in person a couple times, uh, but it was never where I got a chance to, to get an autograph or I got a chance to get a photo taken with him. And, and, uh, but, but I heard him speak at the National Conference on Christian Apologetics, and he did a phenomenal job. Now, he he's not, was not a very charismatic speaker in the sense that he's, he's, he's not going to put on a show for you. But he's very deep in what he says, and the the level of intelligence the man has is is phenomenal. And so I, I think that I wrote an article recently on this very issue about some challenges that Norman Geisler's passing leaves behind, and uh, and I think there are several things, several challenges uh, that he he does leave behind. In fact, he leaves a hole in the world of Christian apologetics, a hole that must be filled. And, and, and one of the aspects is uh, of, of, this, of the impact that, uh, that Geisler made is, is, the, is the sheer force of literature that he had. I mean, he, he wrote several books. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the Baker's Encyclopedia of Christian Apologetics. Uh, one of my favorite Geisler books is probably Chosen But Free. 
Uh, I, I like how he takes a balanced view of divine sovereignty and human freedom. And, and he, he warns in this book about uh, how taking too strong a view on either side uh, can be problematic and, 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 and may lead a person to go beyond the scope of what Christianity discusses or what Christianity presents. And so uh, I think this is one of the challenges. I think that we have to, we need to have individuals, and I think obviously Molinism, even though he went the, the road of Thomism, and, and I'm still somewhat mostly a Thomist. I, I'm, I'm more, I'm a Molinist mainly because of the, uh, because of my view of middle knowledge. I, I'm, that's what makes me a Molinist. Okay, so, um, but you know, even though he may not have been a Molinist, I, I think he holds this middle ground, and I think we need individuals to to not get so carried away with Calvin, and not to get so carried away with Arminius or Wesley or any of these other theologians, but try to find a balanced view. Because I think so often is the case. No matter who you are, no matter who you listen to, it seems like when people get too staunch. Uh, of an opinion on these issues concerning one side or the other, then they then their logic then their logical and biblical holes gaps they leave open to their theology. So we need individuals to take the place of Geisler uh, to step in the gap and, and and be defenders of a balanced view of divine sovereignty and human human freedom. And that is one of the things that's one of the challenges I think we see in Geisler's passing. Uh, we need that. We need individuals advocating for that. And, and I think there are people out there, but uh, that's something I think that's very important. Secondly, we have to ask, her question, ask the question, who will take his place in writing? As I mentioned, he, he uh, wrote several, several different books, and uh, his, his passing leaves a hole. I mean, obviously, he, I think he had many more books in him uh, that he could have written. But uh, the question is, who will step up to the plate? Who will spend the countless hours needed to write books and that will equip the church? Our generation needs someone to continue this this the writing that he does uh, that he did. Someone to continue the writing. I, I never will forget one of the th- quotes that he had, one of the statements he had when I heard him in person at the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. He he, he stressed and emphasized the need for Christians to read more. He me jokingly said, and I don't, you know, I don't think he was completely joking, I, you know, but I found it humorous. He said, "Put down the Netflix, put down the videos, put down the video games, and pick up a book. Spend more time reading, and less time engaged in these other issues, these other areas that were where that takes our that distracts us from what we we're called to do. And so we need someone who'll take his place." In writing, as he did, we need uh, someone. We have to ask the question: Who will defend biblical integrity? And and integrity here, we're talking about inerrancy. Now, I did not always agree with some of the things that Geisler did when he defended inerrancy. Uh, I think he sometimes went after individuals uh, in ways that he, in my opinion, he probably shouldn't have. Um, I think sometimes it's easy for us to get too too black and white in our in our viewpoints. On certain issues, and so while the issue of biblical inerrancy is debated among apologetic and theological circles, um, I do think that at least we can say the integrity of Scripture. And let me just say at, at the outset, I'm an inerrantist. I believe the Bible is inerrant. Okay, I, I believe that. Um, 
but but I respect and I understand those who take different perspectives, and, and I don't necessarily think that they're heretical if they take a different perspective, because at the end of the day, the thing that matters is the resurrection of Jesus. Now, does it matter that the Bible is inspired, infallible, and inerrant? Absolutely. Absolutely. But even if there are errors in the Bible, if Jesus is still res- risen from the dead, Christianity is still true. Okay, It all comes down to the death, deity, and resurrection of Jesus. If, that's, if those things are true, then Christianity is true regardless. Now, Having said that, do I believe in biblical inerrancy? You bet I do. That's why at Bellator Christie, I've spent a lot of time uh, defending the traditional viewpoint that Matthew was written by the Apostle uh, Apostle Matthew, that John was written by the Apostle John. Now, could he have had a scribe? Yeah, of course he could have. He could have had a scribe document the things he did. Could it have been that he wrote uh, two books uh, earlier in his life, and they were compiled together in the Gospel of John? Yeah, absolutely that's possible. But still, the material comes from the beloved disciple who is John the Apostle. Okay, So I hold that view. I hold, Mark, uh, was, I hold that Mark wrote his Gospel according to the teachings of Simon Peter. I hold that Luke was written by the physician who, uh, who, who was a, an associate of Paul. I hold that Paul wrote all 13 letters ascribed to him. You know, I believe that John, the Revelation and the first, second, third books of John were written most likely by John the Apostle. Uh, even if it was written by John the Elder, uh, I think First John was most certainly written by the same author of the Gospel. But even if Second and Third John were, and Revelation were written by another person called John the Elder, again, I, that's not going to be anything that's going to merit inerrancy. Now, I think they they were written all written by the apostle because I think he was, I think he was a uh, teacher in Ephesus as a tradition state. So I'm a traditionalist in that regard. Okay, but having said all that, I think we need individuals who are going to defend biblical inerrancy, biblical integrity, the integrity of Scripture. And, I th- and all that it purports. So I think we need individuals who are going to do this, who are going to stand up for the inerrancy of Scripture. Because quite frankly, this is one area that is easily um, tossed aside. And, and, and I heard, uh, I think it was Daniel Aiken said that it used to be that every 70 years, uh, biblical inerrancy had to be defended. And now it's coming down to like 30 or 40 years Every 30 or 40 years, it has to be done. So we need people who are going to stand up for the integrity of Scripture. And then lastly, I think we need uh, individuals like Geisler who are going to defend the truth. Uh, You know, it's easy in this culture to become wishy-washy in certain areas, and the culture, I think, encourages us to do that. Uh, but we need like Geisler, individuals like Geisler who are willing to stand for the truth. And so that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do we have individuals who will do this? Yeah, I, th- I think so. But it's easy for us to grow weary. It's easy for us to grow faint in what we do. And so um, we need individuals who are going to take to, to toe the line, to stand in the gap, as Geisler had in, while he was here on earth. We need individuals to do that very thing. So my encouragement and my, my uh, goal is to at least try to offer a little bit of, uh, of, of some, you know, to offer something, you know, and, and hopefully, as I mentioned, this first book will hopefully be a valuable resource to the church. And this is this has only whipped my appetite to write more. <laughs> so 
but I would encourage if if uh, maybe there's someone listening to the podcast today to to be an advocate for truth, to stand up for the things that are worth standing for, and make the main things the main things. And that's what I mean. So often we as a church can get so distracted by all the little minutiae that really don't matter. Let's all make the main things the main things and stand for the truth. Because if we don't, who else will? And the reality is no one. So in this brief podcast today, I just wanted to give you the announcement on the book, The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, and also mention very briefly the passing of Norm Geisler. So again, uh, coming up next week, we will have, uh, God willing, Melissa Blue with us as we talk about uh, how to keep the faith in Christ when the church lets you down. And so we're looking forward to that. So again, we say to you, God bless. And again, we'll see you back the next time we step into the arena of ideas. You've been listening to the Gospel Christian Podcast. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The opening theme is the song Crucified, written by John and Michaela Limanis, performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Mm-hmm.